0: This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station.
1: Hello, I'm Hanif Baharuddin. You're tuned in to the show that explores the narratives of iconic landmarks and places in the Klang Valley. It's another episode of Reflections, this time around on KL's tallest buildings, then and now. This month's episode is a more conversational one as both Elizabeth Cardosa and I reflect on KL's most recent tallest buildings. the recently completed Merdeka 118 and prior to that, the Exchange 106. And if you want to go way back, the Petronas Twin Towers and how way, way before that, once upon a time, KL's tallest building was the Sultan Abdul Samad building. Now, we're not saying that KL shouldn't have tall buildings. In fact, there are particular uses for these buildings. But our obsession with building the tallest, the biggest, the grandest is pretty interesting if you think about it, right? Here's our chat on the subject.
0: <laughs> we, we, love, we love the tallest, the biggest, the most expensive, the most iconic. The, you know, we love the superlatives. But, you know, because we are a capital city, I suppose, we always want to... to that seems to be one of our trademarks. Huh? The icons, right? You know, what is iconic? And very and often, we don't think about the soft or the, the you know, the, the soft side, shall we say, you know. Uh, we always think about the hardscape in, in a sense, right? What is what is big? What is grand? What is the beauty queen, you know? I don't want to
1: compare us to other cities, but I think inevitably, I think we have to have this conversation. I, suppose. I don't think other cities, other economic cities in the world are as obsessed with these things, right? The superlatives when it comes to, I guess trying to prove their worth, I suppose. It, it, it's fair to say. <laughs> yeah, what do you think?
0: I, I, You know, some there are some places that are, you know, they, there's always this competition about being the tallest, right? You know? So, uh, the the pride of the Merdeka 11A, the pride of Malaysia, and the pride of Kuala Lumpur, is that we're the second tallest skyscraper in the world. You know, I, not just in Southeast Asia, Remember when we had the flagpole that, um, at Dataran Merdeka? It was the tallest flagpole in Southeast Asia at the time it was built. You know, we have we somehow want to have these superlatives or to put ourselves on the mark, and maybe maybe it's because we everybody wants to be first. So you know, this is one way of doing it. You know, by building these icons and uh, things we can shout about. And I think that there are newer cities that that are newer, yeah, newer developments or developing cities, uh, developing countries that do also obsess over the biggest, the tallest, the grandest, the most expensive. Um, whereas maybe the older cities, may not do that. So you do have uh, places like Rome that will say, well, we still have the Colosseum and it was built 3,000 years ago and it's still standing today, you know? I mean, yes, it is partly a ruin, but it is um, because it's not in use anymore except as a tourist uh, venue. But you, you don't have the gladiator fights there and whatnot, whatnot anymore, right? So, but you have, again, this aspiration for. Being number one in some ways, or highlighting um the glory of ourselves, our civilization, our culture, our brains, you know, I'm the cleverest person in the world, that kind of thing um I'm not but you know but I mean it's like you are a genius, you know uh, you are the oldest person alive you know that that sort of thing we 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 tend to want to look at the superlatives because I suppose in a sense, it gives us the top of the benchmark, you know, and things to aspire to one. I'm, I'm not sure. I never really, you know, like to think about it in terms of the tallest, the biggest, the best, you know, the tallest being equating to the best. But it is one benchmark. It's like, you know, I have won an Oscar, if if you're, you know, in, in film or I have won, um, you know, a beauty queen contest or which is a, which is not at national level or at state level, but at international level. So it's it's making that mark.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's kind of interesting if you think about it, right? Because I think to an extent, maybe it's, it's our way of also trying to, I guess...
0: Position market, ourselves,
1: position ourselves, market ourselves to, to the world, right, <laughs> yeah. one way or another. Yeah, it's it's a it's a it's an interesting way to do it, I suppose. But but I think I, I guess apart from that, it's also a good opportunity for us to reflect on on Kuala Lumpur as a city, right? Because if you think about it, I mean, does the city ever, you know, have the topology or lend itself well to to be able to, I guess, be the home to I guess three tall buildings in, in, at least in the world, I suppose. <laughs>
0: Um yeah well um I think that there is there if you remember the Petronas Twin Towers were the tallest uh buildings for a period or the tallest twin towers for a period
1: mm.
0: um and and you know there's always this aspiration to achieve um greatness and physically when you see these tower buildings or these buildings that literally tower over everything so in retrospect everything else in scale becomes tiny um it's like an ant you know if you if you if you put yourself against the merdeka 118 tower and you were to stand on the top of the spindle of the of the finial of that part of it, you would be like a like a speck of dust, and that in comparison, you know, you you you're tiny. But if you go back 125 years ago, to when the Sultan Abdul Building was built in KL at 140 feet, which is the Berdeka 118, is I think, um, probably. 15 to 20 times as tall, you know, lima blast Kali you know, I mean, if you think about it, you know, yeah. uh, at least. And if you think about the Sultan Summit building being built 125 years ago, and you think about it, it remained the tallest building in this capital city of Kuala Lumpur, in the city of Kuala Lumpur, was the tallest building for 40 to 50 years before the next building eclipsed it. Uh, whereas looking at Merdeka 118, a just a few years before that, it was the TRX Manara that uh, was the tallest building, you know, in in what was it, 2018, 2019, when they opened it, um, when that development was completed, let's say. So, you know, in three or four years, it was quickly eclipsed. Whereas the Sultan Samad building at the with the clock tower, it was two stories. No doubt, they were monumental two stories compared to other shop houses in the vicinity. Then, with the clock tower, you're talking about 140 feet tall. Um, lasted as the tallest structure in KL for until the mid 1940s, close to you know 1950s. So. There is a long period of time when you are looking then at technology um, of its period and how technology now is racing ahead. We can't keep up. It's like your iPhone or your, you know, you, we, we're all, our computers, We're if we are now looking at, if we were looking at a computer that we had five years ago, and we're looking at a new computer and uh and we're used to working on a let's say a 2023 computer, the speed of you know, information, the speed at which we are able to download stuff, the speed at which we're able, the capacity of the computer is just that much faster, bigger, better than than something you know, five years ago. Whereas so it is the perspective I think that, that that's kind of why I'm interested in heritage because it gives you a perspective on how we've moved for better or for worse where yeah. we've come from and what we are now mm. um, and along with all of that comes this the story of technology the story of, of, of development the story of money the story of, the, of education um, for good or bad
1: That was our resident heritage conservation expert Elizabeth Cardosa reflecting on our obsession with the superlatives when it comes to our developments We're going for a short break, stay tuned I'm Hanif Baharudin and you're listening to I Love KL on BFM 89.9 FM nine you're listening to I Love KL, bringing you closer to the people and places of our capital city. I'm Hanif Baharuddin. Joining me as always for our monthly chat on all things heritage is Elizabeth Cardosa. This time around, we're reflecting on the scale of some of the recently completed mega projects, including the Merdeka 118 and the Exchange 106 compared to our heritage buildings. Here's the second part of the conversation. Yeah, it's interesting that you, you said that, you know, once upon a time, the building was... KL tallest building for a number of years, right? You know, and not just like two or three years, but quite quite a number of years, right? Uh, around forty years, right? Um, so, I find it quite interesting because I think to a certain extent, you when know, when it comes to talking about monumentality, I mean, yes, you brought up a lot of things about you know how rapid um, technology has evolved throughout the time, and then there's also context of uh, use case for your built environment as well. Right? To a certain extent, in terms of I guess trying to accommodate uh, the time and the period, I suppose, as well as the number of population and use case scenario and whatnot. But, you know, when it comes to talking about the monumentality of a building like Sultan Samad, despite just being two stories high, I suppose, um, it's, it still retains that sense of grandeur that I think, I don't know, again, I don't want to over romanticize this, but like that maybe modern buildings like, if you know what I mean. Yeah, so so it doesn't necessarily have to be, quote unquote, the tallest building, and yet, despite being just two stories high. It's it that has icon, that, isn't it? it? It has that icon, yeah, and I think Sultan some extent, yeah, maybe I I want you to also reflect on this in terms of like for example, you know, I think we've done an episode where we t- spoke about you know what heritage will be like in the future, right? For, especially for modern buildings, you know, existing buildings that you see at the moment. So I wonder whether yeah we will reflect on modern buildings that we have you know right now. You know, in hundred years time. I mean, obviously we're we're not going to be the one reflecting on these things, I suppose. But I wonder whether you know people in the future will look at these modern buildings that we have currently at the moment and 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 you know think of their monumentality in that sense, you know what I mean? In, yeah. in the way we reflect on our Sultan Muzalmat building and other buildings of that nature, I suppose.
0: Yeah, I suppose when, you know, we are looking at at the Sultan Uzaymat building since we, we we started there, right? Um, prior to that, what was there in KL? You know, we we're talking about two-story, you know, at first it was just really timber and atap buildings. Um, and then because of subsequent fires and floods and all of that, you know, they got changed into brick, and with these brick buildings, and sort of more regulated in terms of lots, and in terms of size, and in terms of 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 material, a more lasting material, um, and less uh, vulnerable to to fire, let's say, or that kind of disaster. Right? Um, you have two story shop houses for the most part. That was what KL was made out of. Plus a few um, bigger buildings, but imagine that between 1895, uh, when the Sultan Samak building first got like started being built, you know, it was launched in 1897, until 1945, it remained the the tallest building in the city, and then. It got eclipsed. The Lee and Len building, which is still there, um, you know, was was built uh, in in nineteen forty five, and then and then we have Parliament. We have um, the KL Hilton. What used to be the KL Hilton, which is now demolished, um, it was the first five star hotel in in KL. It was perched on a hill on a on a rise. So actually it looked even taller than it is because of course it was on a rise. You know, and you have other sorts of um buildings which are more just tower blocks, right? DBKL Tower, you know, um Fumat Tower, um, Diabumi Tower, you know, and these are just really um Manara Maybank maybe had a bit more distinctive um form to it. Uh, the telecoms tower maybe had a little bit more distinctive, you know. But and they were seen as icons as well. You know, you you go, oh, um, you know, you <laughs> somebody would refer to uh, Manara Bank and say, oh, you know, the building is supposed to look like a chris, you know, or the hilt of a chris, or or uh, you would look at the Petronas Twin Towers and and a friend of mine used to say, oh, you know, they're like jambon, you know, but silver. Uh, and then the the um, uh, the loose building, the lembaga tabung building, um, that had a waist. You know, it was sort of um, supposed to be, you know, designed. Looking at a fish trap, for example, um, and uh, so you had those which were towers, but then maybe had a bit of a design form to it that made them a bit more memorable. And then a lot of others were just power blocks. And how tall are you? How high are you? Um, and that's kind of um what most people will remember. So which icons, which buildings in KL for me, which buildings in KL would be consti- would constitute being tall or the tallest building of that time? And I had some iconic either in terms of design or in terms of being the first of its kind. So if you think about at one time, the federal hotel on Jalan Bukit Bintang um, in 1957 was the tallest building and it was the hotel that was built. And people remember it because um, on the top floor there was the revolving restaurant. So I don't know how many people remember or think about it nowadays, but but you had that revolving restaurant. You have um, the the tower, obviously um, the Manara Telecoms Tower, right? Off of Ceylon Hill on, on Bukit Nana's Hill, um, which has again, you know, that because it's a telecommunications tower, is a tower, and then at the top of the tower there's a restaurant, right? So people can can use and those are seen as icons. If somebody's saying, oh, you know, shall we look at it? But but a lot of apartments, which are really tall, and hotels, which are really tall, they're towers. But what is so distinctive about them, maybe it's less, we are less able to distinguish one from the next. I think, and so when we start looking at what constitutes an icon, Apart from the tallest la, the biggest la, the highest la, you know that kind of thing, uh what else you know i I think that does the design of the building carry it through, despite it being eclipsed by the next tallest so so one building that i i, uh, I am very i I really like i i you know like to look at, I've always thought is a beautiful building. Is the Oriental Building on Jalan Tun Perang and Jalan Laka corner, um, and I think uh, in the 1930s it was about, I think, the same height as the Sultan Samad Building, but it had six stories. The Sultan Samad Building was actually a two, two, three-story building, be, be, but because of the clock tower, was that tall, right? So you had the 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 tower itself gave it its height, whereas. The um, the Oriental Building in the 1930s, while it might be the same height, it was a six-story building um, with a with a with a really, you know, quite a beautiful um, facade and and a mass a mass that you could see um, from the river because everything else was two-story. So the scale of it became monumental in relation. And that's when you go back to your Sultan Samad building, it remains an icon because despite it being eclipsed by the many, many tower blocks around it, it has a character, right? Which is makes it different, distinctive. And the character of the architecture of the buildings around the Padam, around Datara and Merdeka, collectively as an ensemble, give that part of KL, that civic, the historical civic heart of KL, a character and an identity that we can recognize, I think we still recognize today and appreciate. Then there's the Merdeka 118, you know, there's the Petronas Twin Towers, that all again, you know, buildings to be, applauded for their engineering prowess of that time. Um, it will be interesting to see, as you said, in 50 years' time, which buildings do we still continue to talk about because which buildings will continue to live rather than get, um, you know, laws become... Defunct, or or, or you, you, we we have to replace them, because, well, you know they've lost their they they don't perform at high standards anymore because of technology, because of failure of building materials, because of all these things.
1: Mm. Yeah, I find that quite interesting. So when it comes to I guess creating value and specifically heritage value to a building, right? Um, do we focus more on the literal aspect of the buildings like like, you know the technology that's used to create these buildings or do we focus on the narrative as well like for example I mean you mentioned a lot of great modern buildings there just now I know as examples of buildings that are designed well or have distinctive design, I suppose. So
0: some people uh, say maybe not so chante, but you know, <laughs> memorable nonetheless. You know? uh, yes.
1: <laughs> okay, yeah. I mean taste is subjective, right? To be fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but but uh, but at the same time, yeah. So so do do we do we then I guess focus more on, on these things, you know, the fact that they're distinctive, the fact that they were the designs were inspired by X, Y, and Z compared to perhaps which one will um, I guess, stand the test of time, you know, when it, when it comes to, especially w- when it comes to creating that heritage value to these buildings, I suppose, yeah.
0: I, yeah, I think that that it, I think understanding um, the, the science or the engineering behind it, I think that that's really important. So if you think about, you know, the smart tunnel, for example, that links, that goes under, you know, from, one uh, under Sungai Basi, you know, crosses over and how technologically, you know, it was built. So, so you know, you, you, you're talking about this, it's, it's like the Marvel comic, um, the, 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 the mole. I think that there's one of the, the bad guys who, who rides a mole or something like, you know, has, you know burrows mm-hmm. um, and, and is able to come out and, you know, but that's the bad guy. This, in this case, it's not a bad guy. It's a good guy. But, you know, to, to create this, this tunnel um, that then is used to help disperse floodwaters and, you know, that has other functions, these remain... People don't talk about them because they appear to be fairly ordinary in the sense of, okay, it's a tunnel and brings me from point A to point B. But if we have to think about the engineering behind them, of it's time. Um, and maybe it was old technology because in 20 years the technology has and engineering has changed leaps and bounds, right? Um, and so if you go back to the hand the mobile phones, when you as a young man were, were first in school, to the mobile phone you're using now, from the computers when you first um, were in school, to the computer you're using now they become smaller, lighter, faster, et cetera, right? Um, It it all has to do with with, with knowledge and engineering and the capacity of the human being, really, to be creative um, and to always want to aspire. So I think that it is this inspiration and this aspiration um, that will make these buildings or these icons, if we know about the history or the background to it, These are the things that I feel we should talk about. We should understand the building in relation to that. Because if we don't, then we will, in a sense, lose. We will only be looking for which is the most beautiful, which is the tallest, which is the, you know. Um, And it becomes a question of a beauty contest as opposed to a question of apart from the beauty, we should also be looking at the brains. You know, We should also be looking at how, the effort. We should also be looking at the creativity. Mm-hmm. Um, and to place all of that in the context of nation building, to place all of that in the context, not nation building per se, but to place all of that in the context of how a nation wants to present itself, and that's the politics of it, and how we want to showcase ourselves to the world. So look at me, I'm here. Um, These tallest or second tallest shout that, but they will soon be eclipsed. So will they last the test of time? Only time will tell, actually. Mm. Uh, what? In the case of Sultan Abdul building, kind of like 125 years later, we're still talking about it. Yeah. So that's interesting, right? Mm.
1: Yeah, and I like the fact that you also, in talking about Sultan Abdul Samad, you, earlier you mentioned that the fact that it's not just the building itself, but also the fact that the area and, the, you know, the, the ensemble of other spaces there that created that narrative as well, right? Um, apart from Sultan Abdul Samad building, are there any other spaces in KL that have that narrative as well? That I think to certain extent, you know, land, the space and the area, that, that gravitas, that perhaps can't be replicated, you know, just by simply, you know, creating one building or... I mean, in fact, I think, in fact, maybe, yeah, maybe maybe in, instead of aiming to create a building that's just the tallest, maybe we should, you know, work along that line, I suppose, you know what I mean? Although it must be done organically rather than, you know, trying to manufacture it, you will also then make it look very awkward <laughs> um, as well. So, um, so there's also that, uh, but and
0: yeah. It's, and as we, we, we um looking at the new KL uh, local plan. Uh, you know, where where Kampung uh, Baru will be renewed by getting rid of what is there now that has been there for over 100 years um, and reinventing itself uh, into, you know, new precincts, new names, new everything. Um, if it, from a heritage perspective, what we find is that when there is a fit between what was old and what was historical and what you're planning for the future, when there is a good fit, when they are sympathetic to each other, when they match in a sense and they don't conflict, you know, they're not head on against each other where I can emerge if I get rid of you entirely, but can I work with you? How do we work together? And that's when that fit uh, is comfortable. And, and that is when, Something new, which is applied to something old, um, will help both parties. So the old gets renewed because of what is new there. And the new has gravitas because of what is old there. Because old gives it its grounding. But the new gives the old maybe a chance to um, reinvent itself to rejuvenate, to become, to modernize. You know, not modernize. I, I I don't like this word modernize, but to to move into a you know to have a paradigm shift, maybe. Um, you know, so you become more relevant to current conditions, a present knowledge, um, because old old doesn't mean um, being stuck in the mud cannot change. You know, because if you cannot change, then you might as well just you know say, okay lah, I'll just sit and drink my tea and forget about everything. You know what I mean? Yeah. But um, if old old has got a certain wisdom to it, we have to think. We think about our parents, our grandparents. There's a certain respect, um, but there is a certain vitality from new, from young. That you know, which maybe the old. Also should appreciate, so it is about borrowing each other's strengths, you know, knocking off from each other's strengths, as opposed to saying you must have one or the other. It's not, it's never one or the other in heritage. We do not look at it as a, it's either this or it's that. It's really how does the new um, support the old and how does the old support the new?
1: Mm, Yeah. So just to tie back our conversation back to um, you know Merdeka one one eight and you know the Exchange one o six and to some extent the Petronas Towers as well. How would you I guess reflect on these new modern buildings with the old? You know, and Sultan of Samad Building being one one of the examples that were mentioned earlier, right? So so. Yeah, maybe you can give the listener your thoughts on, on I guess. <laughs> My thoughts. <laughs> well, yeah, your thoughts on, 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 on the relationship between these 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 different entities, I suppose.
0: I think that when when I look at the Sultan Samak building and the buildings, you know, the old buildings um, that were built, you know, between the late 1800s and the early um, 19, up to about 1920 or thereabouts, you know, in, in that area. Uh, around the Padang of of KL, and when I reflect on them, I think about scale. I think about when I look at them, I feel that I I have can have a personal relationship with them because I don't feel small. I don't feel even though they they're monumental. Really, I mean, imagine when you go near the Sultan Abdul Samad Building, it really is big, you know. But I can still look at it and and see the two flaws and and have. A view, if I stand in the middle of the padang and I look at the buildings surrounding it, I still don't feel small like a speck of dust. I don't. I feel that I can have a relationship with them. Whereas with a lot of the towers, beautiful they may be or monumental they may be, I'm still one in a million or in many, many million. So my relationship, with them is 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 I am tiny, 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 and I suppose from an ego perspective, humanly, you know, one one kind of wants to have some form of relationship with your surrounding, you know, whereas whereas um, so not to live in and not to not to, not to be involved with a with a really sterile in the sense of they may have a lot of activities going on, you may you know, but. Let's say a shopping mall, right? I mean, one shopping mall to the next shopping mall, once you're inside the shopping mall, um, maybe some malls um, we prefer to other malls because they may have certain types of shops or whatever it is that we are personally interested in and each, a different person would respond differently. But there is, but then if you move to the next mall, well, you kind of go like, oh, actually because I'm, more interested in the retail or I'm more interested in the food or I'm more interested in high fashion or I'm more interested in whatever, you know, um, I will then either gravitate toward that within a mall or go to another mall, okay? But once I'm inside, you know, I, I, well, I may be spoiled for choice, I don't necessarily distinguish from one mall to the next. Whereas when I look at these heritage buildings I will personally I will say I will think um, since it's my take right about who built them why would they build you know and what impact did they have on the people who met it at that time you know maybe the people who met this Sultan Summit building at that time would have felt small on the one hand on the other hand they could still walk up to it and they could still go inside and still not deal with a doorway that was 50 times as large as them that it was still what we call human scale monumental but still human scale whereas with huge mega developments that have lots and lots going on in them um, it, it, it's no longer human scale it's ultra super scale and and personally, that's why I work in heritage. You know, i I, I like the human scale.
1: You've been tuning into I Love KL and that was our resident heritage conservation expert Elizabeth Cardoza reflecting on the recent mega projects in KL and their scale compared to our older heritage buildings. That's all we have for this episode of I Love KL. If you miss any part of the show, you can check out the podcast at bfm.my slash ilovekl or app which you can find via Google Play and the App Store and you can also find this podcast and many others on Spotify and other streaming platforms. Don't forget to also follow the station on Twitter at BFM Radio. My name is Sanif Baharudian and you have been tuning in to I Love KL bringing you closer to the people and places of our capital city stay safe and join us again next week only on BFM 89.9 The Business Station
0: You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9 The Business Station For more stories of the same kind download the BFM app